It's time for Tower Talks with Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast. And here is your host, Inside Towers business editor, John Celentano. Hello, everyone. I'm glad you could sit in with us today. This episode is sponsored by Inside Towers Intelligence, a quarterly market report that dives deep into the wireless ecosystem. It looks at market trends, capital expenditures, relevant M&A transactions, and more. Intelligence is designed for managers, marketers, and investors. An annual subscription also includes an exclusive briefing and online support. The Q4 2021 issue is in final production now and will be available shortly. For more information or to subscribe, visit insidetowers.com intelligence. And now for our topic today. For several years now, there's been a big emphasis on wireless workforce development to address the shortage of skilled technicians needed for all the work to install and maintain wireless networks. Industry associations have made the case to federal and state lawmakers, and there has been a positive response. New expanded training and certification programs are being offered by training companies, both on their own and in conjunction with carriers such as T-Mobile and with educational institutions and community colleges in different parts of the country. Here with me today to talk about the progress being made in wireless workforce development is Cesar Ruiz, CEO of Learning Alliance Corporation. Cesar, welcome to Teller Talks. Thank you, John. Appreciate you having me. Uh, you know, Cesar, this is a return engagement for you, but um, if you would share with our listeners who may not be familiar a brief overview on, uh, on Learning Alliance Corporation. Absolutely, John. Uh, High-level overview, Learning Alliance Corporation, specifically over the last three years, has been very focused on helping build that next generation of workforce. So specifically, we're trying to take men and women that are not from the industry, bring them in and educate them on the career paths that are available, specifically as it relates to the wireless infrastructure space and basically all of the other job opportunities that exist. So we have been very focused on the macro work, graduating really tower technicians, Mm -hmm. 5G ready. And in that entire process, I mean, it's been an evolution, John, since really the days when you and I first spoke to present day, we've gone through three different iterations. So we're now in version three of our curriculum, which has significantly expanded, but it's been all to really ensure that the men and women that go into this industry have the best skills possible in order to support the mission and the development of really telecommunications as a whole. That's great. Well, you talked about the third iteration that you're going through. Just uh, you know, just give us a little background here on, on sort of how, how you've stepped up um, the, the training curriculum and, uh, and what it offers today at this level. You know, John, we are now in an iteration where we're trying to basically mirror the real work environment that these men and women are going to be stepping into mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that regardless of your sex, your age or your national origin, um, basically everybody comes out with the exact same skill set so that really the industry sees you as that true asset because you've been in a program where you're doing six days a week, 12 hours a day, like in the industry, mm-hmm. and you're coming out with basically over a hundred competencies that are relatable towards shrinking the back, you know, the gap between right. someone being an employee and then becoming an asset because now you're, you know, a profit center. You're no longer having to be a cost center to that employer. So now we're just incorporating 
uh, a little over 30 different stations. The program um, is a lot more in depth, John, as it relates to how many days on tower do you have? Mm -hmm. uh, that crawl, walk, run stage um, that we have, the amount of hands-on that you have to do, the amount of supervision for you to demonstrate that competency, the rigor has definitely increased. So this version three is aggressively focused on ensuring that when they're done, that their competencies are truly verified and that they're greater than just safety. Uh, before, a lot of the program had to do with safety, 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 and safety is the number one priority. And then once we are able to confirm that they have the skill and the competency to climb the tower and to climb it safely to ensure they're not putting themselves or anybody on their team in danger, then how do we get you to become a profit center? How do we help you turn a wrench to hoist and rig that antenna? How do you get it to the top of that tower? How do you assemble it? How do you connect it? How do you do all of the other pieces that are necessary to help the commissioning or decommissioning of a work order? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously what you're describing is <clears throat> not just a take your course, get a certification and, and go out and work. Um, you know, this this is a, over a period of time uh, and, and really an apprenticeship of, of sorts, is it not? It's actually a pre-apprenticeship. Okay. So we, we've taken all of our diploma programs and we've now tied them back to an apprenticeship framework mm -hmm. so that when they graduate from our program, they're truly pre-apprentice. And in our you know, pre-apprenticeship framework, when you tie it into uh, any of the apprenticeship programs that are currently available, uh, basically it makes up roughly around uh, 70% mm -hmm. of all of the uh, related technical instruction and competencies that are necessary. So we're trying to make sure that these men and women have the opportunity to go in with a very strong foundation and understanding. Um, a lot of it has to do, John, with the hands-on because the certifications, yes, they align very well with a pre-apprenticeship and an apprenticeship framework, but being able to understand the application of that certification in a real-world environment, that's that was a gap that needed to be addressed. Mm -hmm. Just because you have the search doesn't mean that you can, that you are uh, prepared or that you are competent enough to actually execute on, on a specific, um, um, you know, project project plan or work order. Yeah, and that was the question, you know, regarding apprenticeship because most apprenticeship programs are involved are involved several years. Um, you have to develop and demonstrate certain competencies and skills at different stages. And it sounds like this is the path we're, we're on or moving towards at least. 100%. I mean, here at Learning Alliance, our apprenticeship program and our pre-apprenticeship framework basically aligns not just with, you know, those authorized climber, rescue, capstan hoisting, RFEME, but it also then brings into account, well, Everyone needs to understand that if you are an NWSA Triple T1 technician, the data already proves that your incident levels diminish greatly. The report that was provided um, definitely demonstrates that the NWSA certification on the Triple T1 level has proven to be very valuable. So what we've decided to do is build a lot of our competencies, a lot of our skill-based outcomes within our pre-apprenticeship framework to align with those best practices, that standard. The standard is NWSA Triple T1. 
And that standard has been consistent because it's tried and true. We want to support that best practice. Mm -hmm. So when the men and women come from our program, they're not just going to have a cert. They're going to have the hands-on and the hours um, basically practicing those competencies so that they're not necessarily green when they show up in the field. Sure. They'll have a foundation. Sure. Yeah. Uh, retention has been a big issue with a lot of contractors. Um, you know, people move for whatever reason, but um, it sounds as though with um, a, a solid foundation of skills and, and, and uh, training, that um, it, it opens up an opportunity for the employers to retain their um, their staff a little longer and uh, develop a, a high skill level in, in their crews and in their teams, uh, and and really give a career path for these for these uh, uh, people that are working in the field. No, it's a fact. So, John, if you add some context to that, when someone comes from our program, we basically document them as pre-apprentice. Mm-hmm. So what occurs is an employer can take on that individual and flip them into an apprentice immediately. Right. And then what it allows us to do is then embed everything that we've been communicating to these candidates, such as when you go to an employer that is an LAC driven organization, the one thing that we're trying to communicate to everyone in the industry is you want to make sure that there's a career path already in place, that it's been communicated to the, to the employer and that the employer and the employee have that arrangement and that understanding. Because if an employee understands that I'm going to earn a dollar a quarter as an increase because I'm getting the following competencies and obtaining the following NWSA certification, at the end of my first year as an apprentice, I know that I've completed 130 or 140 uh, competencies. I've obtained the following certifications. I've been able to demonstrate the following skill set. I've been now able to increase my wage from $20 an hour to $24 an hour. And the retention piece there, John, is if I'm an employee and I call you and you work for, for XYZ Corporation and you know that mm-hmm. you make $20 an hour right now, mm-hmm. and you're going to go to 21 on the 90-day mark, 22 at the six-month mark, 23 at the nine month mark and $24 an hour at the one year mark, only if you achieve the following competencies and related technical instruction in order to validate that knowledge base. Then if someone's calling you and offering you $21 an hour, why would you sacrifice a $3 an hour commitment up front It just doesn't make sense. A lot of it will have to do with the communication. And we're bridging that gap, which is why we have such great retention, is we're helping really the employers and the candidates understand that we're making a one-year commitment. You really should not leave your employer because they're already making an upfront contract with you on your skill, your competency, your ability to execute that will equal earned wages or guaranteed wages. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really turning out to be uh, uh, the major win. For our industry, that's a pretty attractive arrangement. Um, so let's let's uh, talk about a little bit some of the the new programs that you've developed for uh, telecom technicians. And I don't want to just keep that in the context of tower climbers, but you know when we say tower uh, telecom technicians, I mean there there are skill sets that are needed up and down the tower and on the ground and even back to the warehouse. So how, how have you evolved your your training uh, along those lines? 
You know, John, today is the graduation of our very first uh, wireless integration technician program. So hmm. we're going to have 15 young men and women that are now in their, you know, second phase of their growth plan. So their career path has now basically taken them into an integrate uh, integration technician. So um, today, um, in about an hour, we're going to have the very first 15 graduates that are going to go into the industry. And those men and women have really demonstrated all of the skills and competencies. We reverse engineered it based on the work process schedule uh, so that these candidates are gaining all of the necessary skills to work in building, distributed antenna systems, the CBRS framework, uh, coming out with the uh, Federated Wireless CPI certification, all of those pieces being all uh, intertwined into one consistent career path. And uh, we believe that this is going to be uh, a model that we will carry forward. Uh, our fiber uh, and outside plant program will be released later this year. And what we're realizing is now that we have, you know, um, over a thousand men and women out there in the industry representing Learning Alliance Corporation, we're very quickly realizing that right at around that one year mark, they're having to make decisions on what they want to specialize in. And uh, our new career paths are going to incorporate uh, everything from the CBRS, DAS, fiber integration, integrator, uh, technician, so that they have, um, you know, different lanes to grow within uh, their employers. It also helped with the diversification path. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Historically, over many years, John, you know that if macro work slows down and something else picks up, if you're if your workforce is not diverse, historically what the industry has done is I'm going to let these people go because I've got to go gain people with this skill set. Yep, yep. And we're actually going to try to change that by having a, a, a continuous learning methodology that allows employers to um, really reverse engineer their workforce based on where they are and where the future may take them. So yes, uh, we're going to be adding uh, uh, fiber later this year, but we have 15 people graduating now, today, actually. That's awesome. Uh, we, we, we should have waited a little bit. We can get them in there, too. But uh, no, that's terrific. Uh, and I think it's certainly a, a, a direction that's needed uh, in the industry to round out uh, all, all these areas that require um, uh, uh, trained and, and competent technicians. But from from your own company point of view, uh, Cesar, where, where, how do you see a growing or you know, in the next couple of years, either in terms of facilities or what you're offering or staffing, or what do you see coming? So, John, right now we are working both at the state and national level on, on three big initiatives. The first one is, you know, we're here in Tampa, Florida. Uh, we have 20,000 square feet of uh, great space. Um, but the next move is really to develop that center of excellence, John. So we're working with um, you know, the, you know, Department of Economic Opportunities and, you know, in multiple areas in order to build a center of excellence to get government uh, to support um, at both state and federal levels uh, who we are and what we're doing and how it impacts basically the win-win-win approach of supporting communities, supporting the industry, and then supporting, you know, basically the candidate, putting them into the middle class, which will then change and impact the next five generations. Um, we're really going to be working and we're already in discussions with uh, different counties within the state of Florida 
in order to move into a larger facility. Uh, we're vetting 50 to 100,000 square foot facilities mm -hmm. to basically uh, help us engage in that. So that's really step one. Uh, we're also looking at other states. We've found a lot of great partners in other states that are interested in what we're doing and to create a center of excellence that supports the industry as a whole. Uh, right now, we're here in Florida. Um, we are seeking uh, discussions right now in two other states mm -hmm. and potentially over the course of time, expanding our footprint into those two areas. Um, the third part that really helps us a lot, John, is the fact that we have great industry partners uh, from T-Mobile, Goodman, uh, New Tech, Petzl, Ericsson, Vicor, Qualtech, JMA. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, everyone is really stepping up. The only reason why we have that uh, integrator techni integration technician is because uh, KPG Co. came in and gave us a lot of great validity uh, to communicate with our curriculum development team to identify the competencies that are necessary to build the program around the job. And it's because of the industry and hopefully now government and some of the discussions that we're having that we're going to be able to take the voice of the industry, not LAC as an academic institution, but the employers that make up and drive our industry, they're deciding our curriculum, they're deciding our programs, they're giving us really the direction because again, we're academic, we don't do the work. So it would, it would not make a lot of sense for us to be the driving force and dictating what content should take place. Our curriculum development uh, committee, which is made up of some of the largest organizations in America, are basically driving that initiative. And as a result, um, we will support the industry based on their recommendations so that our virtual reality, augmented reality, curriculum development, instructional design align both with apprenticeship frameworks and diploma-based outcomes that will help our workforce engage in continuous learning. Well, that sounds like an all-star lineup that, that you've uh, put together and, uh, and uh, you know, high expectations for some really good outcomes here. But uh, so th this has been great. Uh, is there what, um, you know, in the last uh, few minutes that we have here, that we'll, uh, I'll let you wrap it up a little bit and, and offer some concluding remarks. I would say to anyone that's listening to basically reach out to us communicate with us because if we don't receive feedback, it's very difficult to adapt. Um, I'll give you an example. I was um, I was at the Nate conference and uh, an employer basically gave us some feedback on adding additional tower time. And uh, we basically came back, looked at the way that we were structured and we are incorporating changes to, in to incorporate some of the specifics that were provided to us. Um, this young lady gave us great feedback, great direction. Our instructional design team was able to really adapt to it. And collaboration is everything. Again, without the industry communicating with us, um, we cannot grow our tower program, but equally as important, we would have never built um, an integration technician program. Um, I wouldn't be in conversations right now with three incredible employers that are helping us develop a fiber uh, program, because again, we're academic, uh, without validation from the industry, it's very tough to, to throw a dart blindly. Um, and um, we really want to make sure that we're building curriculum and content that best represents the industry, the workforce, and their growth. Um, I also challenge 
everyone listening to look at the uh, Next Tech Diversity Program. Um, go to nexttech.com, go to the T-Mobile website, pull up Nextech, go to the LAC website, pull up Nextech. Look at how we're bringing such insane amounts of diversity into the industry because every, the entire industry has demonstrated that regardless of your sex, age, national orange, origin, I mean, color is irrelevant. This industry needs skilled people to come in and to establish that next generational workforce. Look at how you can participate. Look at how you can support the Next Tech program. And um, we'll be more than glad to listen. That's about it, John. <laughs> so just to, just to restate the, how, how they would reach a, a Learning Alliance Corporation. Go to, my, go to mylearningalliance.com mylearningalliance.com. You'll be able to see everything you need to know. You can look at our programs. Uh, you can identify details regarding the Next Tech uh, Diversity Initiative. Uh, you'll be able to see our partners. And, um, you know, we're always seeking to have men and women that want to participate in our committees. So if um, there is something that you would like to bring of value as it relates to a program that we may not have, we, we would be very interested in listening to why you believe it's important. Uh, is there a skills gap that's missing that we're just not aware of? And uh, you know, how can we support um, you as an employer? And then how does that then fit within the industry? So just reach out we will be open ears. Great, thank you, Cesar, for uh, bringing us up to speed on this important topic. You know, I, I always learn something when we talk, so. Um, uh, but uh, keep up the good work. I think uh, you know, it's uh, gaining traction in the industry and uh, we're starting to see results. So, Thanks, John. Really appreciate it. It's, again, it's been a collective effort from everyone. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your support. And thanks to everyone who's listening for uh, you know their hard work, their commitment to excellence and to this industry. Great. And thanks to everyone for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Tower Talks. To subscribe to our podcast, our daily newsletter, or use our other industry resources, please visit InsideTowers.com. Until next time, you've been listening to Tower Talks from Inside Towers, the wireless infrastructure industries podcast.